Uh, you know what, man? I really, I, it sucks, but I like, I'm not freaking out about it. And I think it's because of what happened on Sunday and Thursday this past week. Anyway, we have a, we can get right into it. So I'm gonna clap us in. I'm gonna get us started. So yeah, let's just bring some fucking angry energy. Yeah, since we're hot off a fresh game here, let's go. <laughs> and I guess it's probably like the only relevant thing we can talk about March Madness because we're both from New Jersey. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to Pop Sports Shorts here on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. It is Dan Haas here. It is Matt Selvera. Matt, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing fine. How about you? Dude, it's been the week of nut kicks for us, dude, <laughs> and we just got it punctuated by this Rutgers game we just watched. What Holy the hell? Crap, dude, freaking just whacked right in the balls, ending the game. You saw on a 14-2 run. 14 Rutgers blowed a, what, a 10-point lead it was at the max, I think? 10? It was 10, yeah. 10, yeah. Oh man, it's it sucks because I mean Rutgers. You know, Ruck, first of all, let's talk about right away. Rutgers beating Houston would have been a huge upset in the tournament. Uh, Rutgers, Rutgers is Rutgers has no business going to the Sweet Sixteen. They're right. They're, they're a on great the defense, rise, but you know, right, great defensive team, but very very offensively challenged. One of the worst free flow shooting. One of the first uh, yeah free throw shooting teams in the league and the whole. I'm sorry, not in the league, the whole NCAA. And when you're one of the worst at that, you never make it to the Sweet 16. So the fact they've well, done luckily, this much this far, and one of the and coming from the the basketball conference of college basketball, is pretty impressive. But man, that's a shitty way to lose going 14-2. All credit to Houston; they were awesome. Yeah, credit to them. I mean, they played great. They that was did, great. They had to do down the stretch, and I I wouldn't say Rutgers gave it away. Rutgers played really safe, and Houston mm-hmm. took advantage of that. They did. They played way too safe, way too early. I mean, they had. So we're talking about Rutgers being terrible at free throws. They didn't have any attempts in the second half. So luckily, right? Didn't have to see I mean, that. just I would, that's like an overall an overall analysis of Rutgers. Yeah, not, not, not that didn't really affect getting, tonight. They weren't even attacking the rim and getting to the line. No, like nothing. Doing. They were just settling for. They had some great buckets in the second half to you know keep it rolling. And when they got that bucket somewhere during the collapse, I thought that made it a four point game again. I was like, all right, all right, they have a chance. Cause at that point it looked pretty much uh, mm-hmm. in the cards for Houston, but it was in the cards for Houston in the end. Yeah. You can't be up 10 with two minutes left and draw zero fouls. You can't do that in basketball. No, no. I mean, they were just sitting outside, letting the shot clock run down, shot clock, shot clock run down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting themselves, you know, the the guy calling the game, all the, he got a little too excited for Houston, but he was also nailing what Rutgers was doing wrong, which is they were waiting 20 seconds to set up their offense. And then right. not 20 seconds, but you know what I mean? They were waiting until the shot clock was down to like 10 to seven seconds and then setting up their offense. I understand controlling pace like that when you're the more offensively challenged team, but there's a line to that. You, you, you've gotten to where you are a certain way and you can't just you stop are, doing that. 10 points up, you win, you go to the Sweet 16, take some risks. And you know what? I think that brings us right in to talking about David Moyes and Moyes. <laughs> I guess you're going first when it comes to uh, football. Yeah, I'm fucking ranting. going first. So I think we're going to call this, I think we're going to call this episode Fuck Arsenal. And Fuck Arsenal. Fuck Arsenal. Um, so let's just talk a little bit. West Ham just jumped out to a 3-0 lead and it was unbelievable to watch. They were just free-flowing offense, creating Arsenal. Anytime Arsenal got the ball, they were pressing them and creating turnovers. It was fun to watch for 25, 27 minutes. And then, and let's just talk about that 3-0 lead because it was. I went back and watched the highlights again. It was 
great. Jesse Lingard had just an unbelievable goal. Mikel Antonio gets him a pass and he just bounces it and then perfectly times his hit and just knocks it into the corner. And it was just absolutely beautiful. He's in the England squad based on his play with West Ham. He deserves it. He's unbelievable player. I hope they can sign him permanently. And then, Oh, he's only on loan. Yeah. He's only on loan. Oh, I didn't know that. He had to sit versus uh, man United, which is, Part of, and then Fornells got hurt, and that's why they had to start Mark Noble. And look, I don't want to talk about that Man United game because I love Mark Noble, and I don't want to put myself in a position where I have to say move anything on. negative about him. So let's move <laughs> on. Although I'm going to probably say something negative later. But ah, uh, and then so Antonio gets fouled at the edge of the box. Every single Arsenal player starts yelling out the ref and bitching, and it was a clear foul. I mean, they were just you know whatever being arsenal because fuck arsenal but so they're all and uh lingard comes up takes the free kick right to bowen and bowen just scores while they're all arguing and it was amazing they're up two nil and then oh that third goal was just like that was great it was just man a header anyway listen let's not focus on the lead west ham had a three nil lead and then just like they sat back they dropped back so far they stopped challenging arsenal They stopped doing everything that was bringing them success for 27 minutes. They just, every tactic changed. They got so safe. And so then all of a sudden, you know, Arsenal has time. Instead of every possession being hurried, they're holding the ball. They're getting themselves comfortable. They're getting into the game. And I want to say the 37th minute or so, they get across. And it's just like Suchek deflects it but he deflects it and it's just bad luck. It's like perfectly into the corner. The ball was going wide if he doesn't deflect it. So it's going to happen now. In the second half. And this was the one that really drove me nuts. Cause John Moss probably accounts for some of, um, you know, when you looked at the, I'm a big fan of expected goals. When you looked at the expected goals number after mm-hmm. the match, West Ham had better, they created better chances than Arsenal. Arsenal had more possession, but that's not West Ham's game. They don't have possession. And more possession doesn't mean you're creating a lot of chances. Yeah, doesn't being, mean being a fan of Tottenham Hotspur, I know that all too yeah, well. You, <laughs> so West Ham, you know, Jared Bowen gets the ball. He starts pushing it forward up the field, and he gets pulled down from behind, and the whistle blows, and you're like, oh, okay, foul. And then the fucking John Moss points Arsenal's way. So Jared Bowen gets pulled down, tripped from behind, tripped up, and then he calls a foul in Arsenal's favor. Arsenal takes it quickly, smartly, because West Ham's out of position, and they come up, they put a cross into the box, and Craig Dawson, who is fucking massive, let's just, Craig Dawson's great. I'm not going to say anything negative about Suchek or Craig Dawson, even though they both had own goals today because they're just unbelievable players, but... Craig Dawson just puts it right in the back of the net, like trying to clear it. Didn't know who was behind him. He had to clear it, had to do something like he's just out there trying to put it out for a corner, puts it in the back of his net. So instead of up three nil, we've had two own goals that, you know, granted if Dawson had let that go, there was an Arsenal player street right behind him. There's a good, there's a solid chance. It was going to be a goal anyway. Yeah. He had to do something. And he's does that all the time. He puts it out for a corner. That's, it was just bad luck. And so two, Bad luck, own goals, one referee aided because John Moss is a fucking idiot. And then it's just, you know, Mark Noble comes in. Arsenal just dominates possession the last like 20 minutes. And it's brutal because you can just, you can feel the goal coming. I don't know. You know that feeling. (laughs) Once again, Tottenham Hotspur fan. (laughs) The moment, you know, and this is, I love Mark Noble. I'm wearing my West Ham kit right now. 
Mark Noble comes on and it's just, he gets the ball, he looks left, he looks right, turns around, you know, and then he just passes it back to the backs back there because he's just not prepared for the type of game that the rest of this team is actually playing pretty well. This kind of like free flowing attacking football, which is something I never thought I'd see West Ham play in my life, but they just do it so well. And, you know, Rice and Suchek have this great midfield partnership. And whenever Noble comes on, Noble just, you know, I, I see what Moyes is doing. He slows the game down. He kind of grinds it a little bit, but it's just, it, this keeps happening against the top clubs. And I, you know what? We're not, we're not in fifth without David Moyes. So we're not in fifth without all of these things, but it is just frustrating when we get up against the so-called big clubs that they just play so safe. And even, you know, I thought it was different today. They charged out to this three nil lead. They were playing attacking football. They were challenging Arsenal at the back. Everything they were doing was working. And then they just stopped doing it and pulled back. And that's my rant. I was super frustrated, but you know what? At the same time, yeah, Champions League's probably not going to happen. I mean, we're two points off. It still just feels so far away. But, man, a point was huge today. That's the other side of it. Getting a point was huge today. So yeah, but I know that feeling because yeah. you know full well what happened when West Ham played um, Spurs earlier this year. We were up 3-0. And I don't know if it's even more of a nut kick, but you're talking about two own goals here. And, man, it's fucking – like when you have there was one, one – There was one in there. There was one own goal in there. Oh, the other that one, was, was it Was it called an own goal? No, it was uh, in the – in the Spurs uh, West Ham match, that was oh, the, oh yeah yeah one of the middle goal. goal right 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 the, the goal you made it three two was an there's own goal. two own goals and then there's pretty much like losing in the final ten minutes like Spurs did yeah. like when you're like in that 80th minute it's kind of like and I've gotten to the point with Spurs in the 80th minute I'm like usually well probably until this season all right at least under Pochettino I felt pretty comfortable. Mourinho is now because I mean you're, the style you just explained is pretty much what Spurs play for a full ninety against the big the, the clubs that the five clubs that are bigger than them. You know, it's so frustrating. Chelsea United. Actually, for some reason, they make it work against you. Made it work against United earlier this year, and I think they beat City earlier this year. That's before City got their shit together. That's because like, also United got a player sent off, so it was you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they were ten men in that fight. You're absolutely right. I completely forgot. Good point. Um, but Spurs do it all the time, and it just tires out the defense too much. And my whole problem with, with Jose and the style is that, you know, at Porto, he had Ricardo Cavallo. At Madrid, he had Sergio Ramos and Pepe. And then in, in Inter, he had, um, he had, um, what's the Argent, Lizette, Lizetti, is that the Argentinian I'm thinking of, the center back? And he had Mike Hahn. He had all, he had great center backs. And, um, what's his name? The Italian guy, Marco Materazzi, I believe, um, is the name I'm, I'm going for. Like, he had all these elite defenders who can handle the pressure of a Jose style system throughout a full 90 minutes. I get a newsflash for you, Jose Mourinho. Eric Dyer ain't that fucking dude. 33 or 30, I don't know how, 32, 33, 34-year-old Toby Alderal, Pastor's Prime, is not that dude. Serge Aurier is not that dude. Sergio Regulon, I think, could be that dude, just not yet. He's he's just not, he's not, he hasn't hit his prime yet. You know, same with Joe Vernon. He might be that dude, but he hasn't hit his prime yet. You don't have the horses to play that system. Your advantage is your all-freaking-world 
attack with Harry Kane and Yun Min Sun or Sun Yun Min or whatever you want to call him. I always which way is it? Sun Yun Min or Yun Min Sun? I just say Sun because let's go know. with Sun. Yeah, I never uh, I, I never know it is. I always forget which one is this. And now it seems Gareth Bale's got his form back. And if those three are clicking, then it makes Luke the Lucases and the Lamellas of the world that enhances them. You know, but you there it's like almost like Spurs have forgotten how to attack. Like at least well, your team still goes out and shows some signs of attack and then sets back. I don't think Spurs know what to do anymore. I think all of a well, sudden it was is, like, Harry, you go be the 10, even though you're not naturally a 10, and we'll figure this out. And it, I, it's not – I mean, Harry's great at anything. Harry's probably the best center back on Tottenham too because he's so he's just that awesome. But, like, we're not taking our best players and putting and using them to their mo- their best strengths. And when you don't do that, you don't win. And I think West, it sounds like West Ham did that against Arsenal today. Today. So we're going to get to Spurs in a second because you got more bitching to do than I do. No, no, I, I, I've, I've yeah, got I, this, this, this is the bitching that coincides with one another because <laughs> what you described, I didn't watch West Ham today because I was uh, recording PCC with Bones and uh, I watched like the end of the first half and I didn't get to see any of the second half. So I was stunned when I realized I didn't win any money. Um, <laughs> so, the, but I just it just sounds like what you describe very similar to the frustrations I have with Tottenham this season. Yeah, and it's it's tough because we only do this against the big clubs. Everybody else, we have this free flowing. Oh, it's just yeah. attack. It's just attacking football, and even when they're not scoring, it's just they're creating enough chances. They're keeping the other team from getting. They're they're keeping the other team from really committing too much forward because they've got that great counter attack and everything. And against the big clubs, it's just they go safe. And so what was happening today was, I mean. Cresswell was getting picked on and there was just a lot happening. And what they should have done is when it was three, nothing, if they wanted to go safe, they should have gone five back instead. And instead what happens is they bring in Mark Noble and it's just, uh, but yeah, basically even that third goal. So what kills me with West Ham right now is I watch so many matches and I watch the, you know, the man city match. There's uh Ogbana getting hurt has been such a big hit to this team because Diop's back there and Diop's, you know, solid player and he's doing a good job. And Craig Dawson is fucking massive, but they're just, Ogbana was the rock in the center of that defense. And he just won every header. He won every match in the middle of the, in the box. And just right now, what you're seeing is, you know, I'll say a big one was the first goal in the Man City game. Ogbana probably clears that ball out. And that last goal today and between Dawson and Kufal, Sufal and same thing. Ogbana's probably, it's just, I, I wonder how many points we've dropped as a result of that Ogbana injury. And I just, I, you know, it's the premier league. You never hear, it's like hockey with injuries. You never hear anything. You'll just hear like upper body, lower body. Right. And, you know, we know it's an ankle injury. We just don't know when he's going to be back or if he's going to be back this season, but I really hope he is. Cause you know, nine more matches to go and they play Chelsea Leicester and Wolves but other than that it's all matches they you know I would say Chelsea Leicester and Wolves are all matches they should be in if they don't go conservative but they should they should have a chance to win those the rest of the matches though the other you know the other six they should win I feel at the very least they won't go conservative against Wolves yeah they pummeled Wolves and Leicester earlier this year so hopefully right they did pummel Leicester earlier this year absolutely so hopefully same thing Chelsea Chelsea, they played ultra conservative against last time. So who knows what Moyes has done? But Moyes hasn't had a win against one of the traditional big. I, I always put it in quotes because this year's all screwed up. But you know, one of the traditional big clubs in a long time. I mean, they call. I mean, so when I started watching 
And I'm sorry to not include Spurs in that. Well, when I started watching, so here's what it is. I started watching like <laughs> um, the Premier League um, oh, probably like nine, ten years ago. It was a big four. It was United, it was Chelsea, it was Arsenal, and it was Liverpool. And then City came around to make it five. And now you you have the argument where they call it the big six and you include Tottenham because that's just, like, I, I guess, revenue. I guess they make enough money to be considered that. And I don't, I don't believe that. I don't consider Tottenham at the level of those five clubs yet solely because, because they have won trophies. The sexy. They're the sexy U.S. club, though. That's the difference, too. They make they have, I mean, so you can always kind of map when a U.S. fan got into soccer or football because, <laughs> you know, who they follow. So if it was like 90s, early 2000s, it's Man U. If it's early 2000s area, it's probably Arsenal. If they got it, like if it's Arsenal, it's probably that early 2000s. <laughs> and then after that, Chelsea from like 2004 the, to 2008. The Drogba, yeah, the early Mourinho years Chelsea. and Drogba, yeah. And then like... And actually, you know what? Credit to the Liverpool fans. There's not really a great entry point for Liverpool. Maybe that year they won Champions League in like 08, but you know. Is there a lot of New England people that are into Liverpool because they're also owned by the Red Sox? Same ownership group. I think there's a lot of people who say they're into Liverpool because of that, but I don't think anybody really knows. They really aren't. So then it's, let's say, then it's City. Um, No, I would say Liverpool like that early 2000s. City's like... City is what soccer fans now are getting into. But like a mean, lot of my students, oh, I, I have students who are in. I have students who are. I have at least two students, if not three, who are in Man City. See, maybe I'm missing the transition because I think everybody that got into football the last like five, six years is always a Spurs fan. And then there's people like me who are just see. For me, it more started when Bale was at Spurs. You know, with with the whole Milan game and everything. Like that was like kind of when the magic of Spurs like kind of started in this, in this more modern time. But yeah. And then under Pochettino was like, it was because they were ascending. It's like, they were an easy team to get into because you're not a front runner for liking Spurs, but you're also not, you know, becoming you're not a Burnley. You're not becoming a Burnley fan either. Yeah, you're not becoming <laughs> a Burnley West Ham. Or like, <laughs> no, I mean, even West Ham. I feel like West Ham is putting themselves in the position to be the next like now Spurs now battles forever. But, but, yeah, but now you're in a position to be the next like Spurs Everton type club with you know you can trust your academy. You have a manager who trusts the academy. And you can maybe elevate yourself, and maybe it's if you say you do make Champions League this year, you can maybe make a run into maybe the final sixteen next year. That's the thing, though, and that's what's going to kill Moise. Like it's, or that's what's going to frustrate the fan base with Moise. It's not, it's not losing because we want to see this, we want to see the club go for it. We want to see the club try to go out and win these games against these matches against top clubs. And right, that's the thing. And so what people get frustrated about is when. He drop everybody drops back and they play conservative like today. That's when it's frustrating. We're happy. It, I don't know that uh, that match was so frustrating because two own goals. Like maybe the first, you know, Su- obviously Suchek and Daw- Dawson aren't going to let that shot go, but if they do, it's wide. Basically, it looked like it was going wide. Dawson, a couple of millimeters on his foot, he puts it over the crossbar and it's a corner instead of an own goal. So. Just all these things. Like, I wasn't that impressed with the chances Arsenal were creating, except the way they were picking on Cresswell. They were doing a great job on that side. Cresswell was having a hard, difficult time handling. Okay. Balls. That's where the attack was coming from all day, basically. And West Ham never really – that's the other thing. West Ham – bringing on Noble wasn't the correct adjustment to that. Going five back and bringing in um, 
you know, Ben Johnson would have been the correct adjustment to what Arsenal were doing. So that was the other frustrating part. But otherwise, it's over. We got a point. Two points behind Chelsea for fourth. So it's not like it's totally out of out of reach. Liverpool's three points behind us, even on matches. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's doable. Fifth, I'd be happy with fifth. Fifth is a huge jump up. It's just I got a little excited with the form and everything. And, you know, the way they play the bottom clubs, the clubs hey, below Hey, them. hey, hey, a little disrespectful over there. There's another team that's one point behind you, okay? There's another team that's one oh, point behind yeah, you. you won. Because despite, yeah. despite all the, the anger and just disappointment, Spurs did happen to go out and defeat Villa 2-0 today. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and a decent Villa. But that, that's oh. about the caliber of team that Spurs can beat this year. You know, I got into, a, I got into like just a back and forth, not on the Pop Sports Shorts Twitter account, but, you know, with a Villa fan. And they were just going on about how, you know, West Ham's just a fluke this year. And I was just bookmarking every tweet just to... <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that, man, because yeah. at some point, yeah, I can understand why another fans come at you like that. But at some point, a good team's not going to be a fluke. Yeah. You know, you got to you, you know got to always have belief that this is the the era that where you put it together and become a legitimate 21st century top flight, top football club. And I don't want to hate on Villa because Villa is actually a really fun side to watch. Yeah, especially, I don't want to hate on Villa, especially when Grealish is going. Grealish, yeah, when he's actually going, yeah, he's great. I mean, yeah, another one, hair. another another player that should have oh, been a spur. Did you, did you read that? Jack Grealish, little bit of a bitch too, but dives everywhere. But you know, yeah, like, but you know, he fit right. He fit right in at Tottenham. Hair. He would fit that? right in at Tottenham, diving like that, that. You see that hair too? Unbelievable. Great hair. Unbelievable. Great. I mean, just, I know something about great hair. It, I just it makes me want to do a headband like this, like <laughs> the Cavani. <laughs> um, so, did you watch um, Spurs in Europa on Thursday, perchance? Oh yeah. You did. Oh, did, you, did you enjoy it? <laughs> I mean, yes, you, you, can, you can tell as, me. You can tell me you enjoyed as it. As much it's as okay. you enjoy it the other way. Oh, God. Oh, dude, what a, what a I, disaster. You know what? I, I messaged you, too. So there's this um, there's this West Ham account called West Ham Clips, and the guy does uh, alternative commentary. And he paid, like, some American dude to dress up like Jesus and just say a bunch of lines. And it's just funny because the dude clearly has no idea what he's saying. So one of them is uh, – he just goes, Tottenham Hotspurs, it has happened again. And he just keeps sharing. <laughs> Anytime well, they like, blow a lead, he like posts that. Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a freaking just – I – I the five-day – was it a five-day span from Sunday to Thursday, four-day span, whatever? It's probably one of the worst five days of, of my Tottenham and Hotspurs fandom. And you started with the, goal, with the goal of the season. <laughs> yeah, with the goal of the freaking season because – Eric Lamella does not score often. No. When Eric Lamella scores, it's a Rabona. <laughs> well, How and, uh, do you have two amazing Rabonas in your career? Like nothing else to show for yourself. <laughs> well, <laughs> but like a it? bunch of yellow cards. <laughs> and the guy from um, the guy from uh, Men in Blazers was pointed out a good fact. Like Lamella has never scored a goal with his right foot or something. Or he's only scored like one goal in his career with his right foot. And so of course he had to get his left foot involved somehow. <laughs> I mean, that was so bad. I mean, I mean, Zagreb lost their manager like, what, like a, like a week before because he's in jail for like tax fraud or something? Yeah. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you, he's you in even, jail for tax fraud, but yeah. Jose is the like, biggest criminal. The, the whole, on the pitch. Exactly, dude. <laughs> that, you've 130% right. 
Um, I don't know who this Orsic guy is either, but Tottenham they should probably sign him because he he was uh, that first goal he hit was athletic. So the first goal of his beauty. What are you gonna do? Goals like that happen sometimes. A guy just catches it just right. It doesn't matter who you are; it's going in. But like just the the breakdowns in the rest of the game. And just the, the defense just looks so tired and depleted by the end of the match. And then, I mean, extra time? Forget about it. I knew there was no yeah. chance. There's no chance like this threat. team is making it through extra. And they never, th- exactly. Even they, they, they owned all the possession in the first half, but never threatened once. It's against, like they were completely lost out there. Against who? Against and, what is this defense where we, we can't break down? Are you serious? They've forgotten how to play. Yeah. Yeah. They've forgotten how to attack. They don't train that way. And Hugo Lloris' comments were very, very telling after the match. You know, this team is, it, it was a disgrace how, how little these guys cared about this match and how little these guys put into trying to freaking bury, just bury the hatchet into this team. This, 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 this the grabs like, they're not a terrible, they're not a terrible team. They've, they've produced guys like Luka Modric there and Mario Mandzukic. Like they've produced some, world-class players so you know it's not some minnow organization but it's not an organization where tottenham should be blowing a two-goal league on the second leg of a tie second leg no. of a tie like well, they absolutely thought it was in the bag. they thought it was in the bag they it's thought like it was running. in the bag and they played that way they prepared that way they executed and there needs to i it sounds like for me and i'm once again taking the reese's comments a little bit it sounds like they need to focus a little more on attacking and training now they know they won today Today I went out with my, with my wife and we had a nice day out. We had some we had a little winery and brewery hopping. So I only nice. caught the end of the match. I, I took the day away. So I haven't watched him yet. I'm happy they won. Um, 2-0 sounds like your classic Tottenham sit back and do nothing and wait for the counterattack victory. So I'm going to assume that's what happened. Um, did you watch it all today, perchance? I didn't. I actually no? okay. uh, I was done with... Uh, I, I, you were done after I, West Ham. I dragged Ham. myself back to sports for Rutgers, but I was done after West Ham. Yeah. Look, I looked at the stats earlier, and it was pretty much 50-50 on possession. And when I looked early in the match, like, Villa weren't getting any shots on goal, so it was probably, you know, who knows. Once again, that's not... Villa is a good... I feel like West Ham has been the cutoff for Totten. Like, a team of West Ham's ability and above... Tottenham system doesn't work against because they can break it down because their forwards are better than our defenders by a lot. Like your attack is significantly better than our defense. You have more class. So does, and and if you guys have more class, then city definitely has more class. Chelsea, sometimes Chelsea, uh, Chelsea's like the enigma this year because they're not as good as their record indicates. They're not, yeah, not that good. They're not very good at all. They're the enigma. But like City broke Spurs down. Not City. I'm sorry. Leicester City. Leicester City broke Spurs down. West yeah. Ham. It took West Ham about 80 minutes to figure out Spurs, and they haven't looked back. Yeah, but then Spurs dominated that second. But that's because West but, Ham went ultra-fucking-conservative. But and they and got lucky. Got and pretty they, lucky. They yeah. got pretty lucky. They got lucky at least that it wasn't a draw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that one was another one where maybe we're a few inches away from having the exact same conversation, which is – we were taking it to him. We were scoring. Why did we sit back? But again, I've already ranted about Tottenham's that. done that multiple it's times the, this year, though. It hasn't just been guy, West Ham. It is it, the double. It's the double-edged sword of David Moyes. We're gonna beat the lower down. We're gonna beat the clubs below us, and we're gonna play like really conservative and negative against the big clubs and my, finish between four, fifth, and seventh. And my I, you friend, know that our teams so are much, in the same place. <laughs> Dan, you know what though? 
when before when when West Ham brought back David Moyes, I would, everybody was pissed. Everybody was fucking pissed because I was pissed about Jose oh, when they brought well, him in. Hang on, they dropped David. They had David Moyes save them from relegation. They brought in Pellegrini, finished tenth or whatever. Pellegrini represented hope, and then it, everybody was predicting a you know fifth place finish for West Ham, something like that. And then they're fighting relegation. They had to fire Pellegrini and then bring back Moyes. I was pumped when they brought back Moyes because you know what? I am sick of these relegation battles. And what he did at Everton was he always had them right there between yep. fifth and tenth. Yep. Every now and then, he, I think he had a fourth place finish once when he was with Everton. And it's they just, made Champions you know League what? once. Yeah, I I said to myself last year when we staved off relegation, let's keep Moist. I am happy to take mid table life. Like I would love mid table life, and now I fucking want more. <laughs> well, you always want more, and it's 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 gonna it's gonna fall on like clubs like West Ham. It's gonna fall on the academy. We're I know, see more it products. Is. It's yeah. gonna be about that, and it's gonna be about also if they're gonna sell Rice and Suchek. How much are they going to get for those two guys? And then right. what are they going to do with that money? Are they going you to have to reinvest it? Yeah. Tottenham, the, the past the five years at Tottenham have been Gareth Bale's money, the Gareth Bale sale money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that did a lot for you guys. So that's the thing. If they sell rice, it's going to suck because rice is so much fun to watch. And people who don't appreciate rice can go fuck themselves because rice is the best holding midfielder in the country. And the way he, that, he could have had a, he could have had the goal that won it today too. He so he took the ball in his own end and just carried it all the way down the pitch and then shot and just saved by the keeper. But like he carries the ball forward. People are on outdated talking points when it comes to Rice. You'll hear all this commentary about how he's all he is is a holding midfielder. All he does is play defensive. He doesn't push the ball forward. Rice ignites our attack. He's a big part of it. Sue checks a uh, yeah. So anyway, Declan Rice Hopefully it's a hundred million pounds if he gets sold. That would be great. But I would love to keep him. But if he gets sold, I really do actually trust David Moyes to use that money properly. Yeah. And we need another striker because Antonio is awesome. I love Mikel Antonio, but he's not it. And they're playing basically a false three at the front right now. And Moyes has proven he can take that money and make the most of it too. He did it at Everton. He can do it here too. Yeah, we've just been so hot with transfers, we're bound to flop on one. That's my only fear. <laughs> Everybody flops on a transfer, dude. Yeah. Everybody just, flops on a transfer. Two. It's been, uh, what is it, Bowen, Sufal, uh, or Su- Bowen, Suchek were great. I mean, he brought them in right after he took over, and they, them along with Antonio's goal scoring spree kept us from relegation. And, you know, they're a big part of the club. And then Bowen has been great. Benrama is great. We need... Saeed bin Rama, Saeed bin Rama started today. I was really happy, got subbed off. He is just, every time he's on the pitch, he helps create. And he's just on the same, when you watch him and Lingard, they're both on the same page. And I want to see more of them playing together. And it's frustrating because Moyes seems to be afraid of the attack sometimes. And he'll either, you know, not start, like, yeah, there's a lot of thoughts. We haven't done enough pods. So now I have, I'm trying to cram too many thoughts into this. So long story short, we're not here without David Moyes. I'm super happy we have him. I laughed at all the fans who were pissed when we brought him back because I knew he was going to at least help us try to get some consistency. I want a little more. That's the summary. You should. Yeah. And it's good for, it's a great fan base. You guys deserve a little more. Um, a little more. Speaking of great fan bases, I'm going to want to transition because we haven't talked enough about uh, the Knicks on this show. Oh, this Knicks team. Dude, don't you it's love just, watching them? I uh, love them. It's don't so you great. love watching oh, this we're team, end man? On a high note, and this is good. 
Oh man, this Knicks team's been great. Um, isn't basketball just always a little bit better when the Knicks are like good? Is that just because it we're is. from the area? No, it's just better. I mean, even it's so funny because even Nets fans know it. It's like the Nets are great. Nets maybe gonna win the oh, East. Maybe gonna no, win no. the championship. No, 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 no. Basketball like, fans know the Nets are great. You're you're making the assumption that there are Nets fans. There's a few. I know a few. There's Nunu no likes the Nets. I know one. He's from Connecticut, though. He grew up in Connecticut, and he only picked him up when they moved to Brooklyn. And I, so, you know, I, I I have a little more respect for that guy than I do an old school <laughs> Nets fan. Like my, uh, you know, they're like I, I just I I didn't for, I couldn't forgive the Nets for leaving Jersey. I just couldn't. Yeah, fuck him. But yeah, what's funny is every Nets fan just deep down knows that the Knicks are more important, and like. Everything the Knicks are oh, those two. You could get too. fifteen James Hardens on the Nets, and they wouldn't be more important than the Knicks. Well, let's talk about the Knicks Nets game and the Knicks Sixers games because they're two losses. But when's the last time we saw a ball like that from the Knicks? Like when's the last time we saw game games come down to the wire where it took a bad call on the last play? Not since years. Woodson was there was the coach was the head coach. That's since Woodson was the head coach of the Knicks. Yeah, the yeah. Knicks tape the Knicks tape year. With Mello and uh, J.R. Smith. and mm-hmm. Was Jeremy Lin on? Is that the Jeremy Lin year, too? No, Jeremy Lin was a little later, I want to say. It was say. a little later. Okay, that was Jeremy, when Omari Jeremy Lin was, was on that in, team. Jeremy Lin was a flash in the pan. Jeremy Lin right. was just like, oh, uh, but that, isn't that funny? That's how bad it's been. That is, those Jeremy Lin games are like fond memories and seem, <laughs> seems like just a long period of time, but it was it's, just, he, you know, he was really the last time the Knicks were legitimately relevant. Was that, that, that Jeremy Lin they weren't stretch. Even, they weren't even relevant. It was just a stretch of games that they won because Jeremy it was a stretch. Was awesome. Yeah. And it was almost like you, you, you always knew like the league was going to figure him out, but like you just enjoyed watching him play until yeah, during that time. It's the last time the Knicks were relevant. Um, that Jeremy I, Lin, that Jeremy Lin Kobe game is the peak of it all. Yeah. That was awesome. I remember oh watching that gosh. game, dude. That was great. <laughs> but anyway, Knicks are relevant again, so we got to talk about the current Knicks because you know what? Awesome. Like, yeah, they play defense. They play as a team. They play hard. They never give up. They think they can win every single game. They have a legitimate like big three caliber player in Julius Randle. Julius have, Randle's been amazing. Amazing. I mean, How about the, the triple-double last night, yeah. dude? The differences in his game too, like just the improvements he's made. It's just, you know, I laughed when they signed that contract, when they signed him to a max contract. And now he's just, he seems like he's bought, they've seemed like they've all bought into Thibodeau and then Julius Randle last night, Rose, Peyton and, um, and, and quickly, quickly all out. You got to rely on Nilakina at the point, which Nilakina for his, to his credit had a, had a pretty decent game by his standards, but Julius Randle just took over. I mean, just, Eight, was, he had 18 assists and 19 points last night. So do you ridiculous think, line. I'm not, I don't want to get negative right away because I always play fucking fantasy GM, but do you think they're going to have to trade him? I mean, it all depends who you're getting back. But I think the Knicks should kind of just hold tight a little bit. He can you know? si- So he can. they can sign him to an extension, but it's not as much as he could, like after this year, but it's not as much as he could make, I guess. So it all depends broken. how much he wants to be here. If you bring in a, like, a legit, like a, one of the the big names, one of the top number one undoubt players in the NBA. Maybe Julius Randle's happy to be that dude's number two and go win a championship with the two of them and RJ Barrett, you know? Yeah. Or quickly. RJ Quickly you know quickly is quickly. quickly. I bet anybody's the, the number three on that team, it's quickly. Quickly's the third guy. And you yeah. know what? He's I love what Tib did with him him and Peyton, you know, fighting for minutes with each other. It's I I love like 
picked so up. So you get guys coach. to play hard. It's how you get yeah. guys to play hard. Exactly. And you can't just guy can't just be like the man of the future and just be handed minutes. You know, he's got to fight for his time. And mm-hmm. oh, quickly's awesome. That floater. Hmm. All day. All, all day, man. And you know what? RJ Barrett's finally coming into his own. Coming into his own. He's starting, hit, starting, starting to draw fouls, starting to hit shots. Yep. Yeah. He's figuring it out. So you can see the makings of a good team. And you can see the makings of a team where they might only need to bring in like one superstar. And that one superstar top. might actually want to come play for the Knicks now. The exactly. Part of the biggest problem is no one's wanted to come to this dumpster fire of a team. But now you got a guy who's who's got the team playing like a team. He's bringing the best out of his players. He's, you know, Julius said Julius Randle is turning himself into at least a, a high tier two star in the league, in my opinion, you know. So it's just like bring bring another maybe bring another piece in. You don't have to trade Julius Randle. Yeah. I always I, I love that Derek the first time Derek Rose signed, I loved it. I love I'm a big Derek Rose fan, but I always Derek Rose to me was like the quintessential Knicks should have won that lottery, if that makes sense. And Chicago just came out of nowhere and got super <laughs> lucky with the way the balls dropped. And so I always look I always love you know, even though he hasn't had quite the career you would have predicted for him, I'm a big Derek Rose fan, so I love that he's I think for the obstacles thrown at Derrick Rose in his career with the injuries, I think he's had a pretty successful go at it. You know, he's, go. he's he just, really bounced back and, and had himself, you know, turned himself into a key piece to any team he's on. Yeah. And you know what? He's here. He knows why he's here too. He's here to help the young guys. And he's he been doing it great. And he's still going out and he, he'll still put up 15, 16, yeah. 17 a game. If you need him to, he's an awesome dude. I, I was heartbroken when the Bulls won that lottery because I loved, I had like fallen in love with Derrick Rose and just in my mind, the Knicks were definitely going to get the first overall pick that year. And so it was just, you know, that was, that was, I want to say that was college somewhere around college time. Right. We were in college. At this Rose time. was when like, was Rose I think he just graduated. I think that was like 2008 Rose's rookie season. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then, Chicago was great that year too. They yeah, were. And he won the MVP and he won the MVP in what 2010? Was it 2010? Yeah, he was just he was And then he got and then he got hurt the next and season. Then it was that and injury. It's a, and it's just been a constant it's been a slow climb back for him the past 10 years, man. Yeah. And that injury now he's was in this for It was a brutal injury. And now he's back and he it's funny cuz like you look at him now and like the Knicks brought him in as like you know a role player to mentor, and his role now make the reason they brought him now makes more sense than it did when they brought him in when Phil Jackson brought him in. Yeah, you knew it was like really this is going to be the guy that runs the show here. Like I mean, no respect to Derrick Rose, but I like can he still go out and put out freaking twenty six, twenty seven points a game? I don't, I don't think so. And he couldn't, obviously. No, he couldn't, but he's perfect for what the Knicks are doing right now. Right. Well, the Knicks are well more, way better run now than they were then too. Yeah. Which who would have thought former agent? Cause that didn't work out for our other team. <laughs> <laughs> so let's close out with them because baseball season's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like, Hey, let's good news. Other than DeGrom's like 0.3 ERA for the spring or whatever the hell it is, because he's just DeGrom's been throwing like a hundred miles an hour in the spring. What is that? He's a, he's on, I don't, Dan, are we going to get to watch a better? I, so I always think Pedro Martinez 
during like the steroid era is the best pitcher I'll 1999, ever see. Nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand Pedro is yeah, the best pitcher ever. Everybody seen was life. on everybody was on steroids and he was still dominant. I'll never forget that all star game, dude. Yeah. Where he just sat all those fucking roided up sluggers down, dude. <laughs> How close is DeGrom gonna come though? Because now we're DeGrom's DeGrom is when you look at the external numbers and you look at the factors beyond wins, because fuck wins, but um DeGrom is making a case for the Hall of Fame even at this Dude, point. Dude, if DeGrom can get himself like a World Series. I don't even think it matters. Oh, all right, all right. So you're looking at we're all like you're not just, wins, like the best, the analytical pitching numbers. I mean, he's yeah, probably me. already the best pitcher in Mets history. No disrespect to Tom Seaver. Because wins, again, don't matter. Right. It was a different era. There wasn't film. There weren't. There's right. a lot of different factors in the era that, you know, we, Dan and I, we, we talk about wanting complete games back, but they're probably never coming back because there's things that hitters are doing too, to make it much harder on the pitchers that are happening back then and the mound's smaller, but we don't need to get into all that. That's all well covered other places, but Jacob DeGrom might be the best pitcher I've ever watched in my lifetime. Yeah. He might be, he's making a case right now with, to be with, I mean, I guess I look at Pedro maybe Kershaw and his like true prime. And let's not forget he was a shortstop. He's yeah, he wasn't throw- even a pitcher. He's throwing, up. he's throwing harder every year and he doesn't have all those innings on his arm from it's like, that, you know, he, and he, and he's had, he, he's already had Tommy John surgery too, if I'm not mistaken. Granted the dude might, I, I mean, didn't he fire his agents after that Mets con after Cole got a ridiculous contract from the Yankees? I thought Brody was his agent. When he got the, Brody, oh no, Brody, Brody, Brody was, was the GM. Right. Brody signed in. You know yeah, what right. Brody was the Brody's GM. Brody's one contribution to the team, although I want DeGrom to get paid. That's the other side of it. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, but it. you know what? We have an owner. I feel like we contract. have an owner now. Who we would, wouldn't have who, him. Yeah, we would have him now because uh, Seat Combe would have gone out of his way to keep him, but he would have got, ah, uh, no, he would have been a free agent with Cole, right? Fuck. We would have lost him. But even now, so say even right now, say Jacob DeGrom went to, has a lights out year, wins another Cy Young this year, reestablishes himself as the undoubted best pitcher in baseball. If he went to Steve Cohen and asked for a raise, I feel like Steve Cohen would give it to him. Maybe. Why not? They offered 300 million. Apparently they've offered 300 million to Lindor, which is like, when's the last time you ever thought the Mets would offer 300 million to anyone? No, so. Nowadays I expect it. I mean, ever yeah. since Steve Cohen bought the team, I expect those things. To I'm come still, out of uh, I'm still enjoying myself. I'm still comparing him to the Wilpons just to enjoy the sheer. I'm my, getting a little yeah. worried about the Lindor thing. Like well, why not gonna it hasn't that. gotten done yet. I think they're just being smart and they're not throwing. It's exactly what Sandy said. They're not going to spend like drunken soldiers. They're not going to spend like drunken sailors, but but you made the trade to get him though. They didn't give up that much though. They really didn't. You're right. I know. So it's kind he's of had like, a, he's had a solid spring, Lindor. He's, he's, he's had a solid spring. He's had a solid he's, spring. He's, he hasn't had a Pete Alonso spring, but he's had a solid spring. You know what the thing with Lindor is that excites me? He seems like the guy that can hit tough pitching, and yes. that's the Mets have had a lot of guys that can beat <laughs> that can beat up on bad pitching and make sure they have good numbers and make sure that they're like good hitters, but. He seems like the kind of guy that can break up, like uh, you know, a Steven Strasburg. Well, he had got, I think he had a home run off Steven Strasburg, so good example. But he seems like the guy that can, you know, break up a game that Degrom, you know, get a big hit in a game that Degrom's losing that one the, nothing to Strasburg. Exactly. Yeah. Which the, we, the Mets have for the good hitters they have, they have been missing that guy. If that makes sense. And a double bonus is if Alonso keeps up the form he's been showing in the spring, and he becomes 
this yeah, one in the same with Lindor. Fucking matter. I know it doesn't matter, <laughs> but I mean, he, he's been a lot more patient at the plate. He's swinging at better pitches. These are the things yeah. that we always missed from, from like Alonzo. And take it, take it, whether you like it or not. Even Alonzo having like, if that was an off year last year, it was one hell of an off year. He was on pace for thirty homers with an. He was on pace for over forty homers. Was he? Yeah, he went. He ended up with sixteen home runs last year, and he he's still ended player. up. And he ended up with an OPS over eight too. Yeah, which a, you know, he, yeah. he, if that's I mean, his off year, fucking sign me up, dude. You know, what my biggest X factor is how's Nimmo going to be in center field? How's I? I'm a. I mean, we got the shortstop McNeil. I think McNeil's a good defender, although I worry McNeil gives the Jeter effect where he like makes it look like a great play, but it's you know actually just you know inside the normal range for a better shortstop. No, the Yankee fans just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jeter makes that like little hop play, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, what a play!" But every other shortstop, that's just their range. Like that time Jeter <laughs> dove into the stands because why the fuck not? <laughs> you know what I will say if we're gonna you know. We're gonna shit on Jeter, but because it's fun. But that that play where he threw out uh what's it was it Giambi at home or whatever like yeah that? The, in the that NL, was in the cool. ALDS like where, that he was amazing. Of, where he just came out of fucking but that he needed that to do that that was amazing yeah. it was all the practice all those years of doing amazing things <laughs> when the time came for him to actually have to do it he did it <laughs> I mean the argument is Derek Jeter you can't deny he's a great player three thousand hits like you can't deny yeah, he's no great. you can't deny he's great what you can say is that he was a below average shortstop who the plays that he made at the edge of his range were within the normal play, the, you know, yes, the standard play range of an average shortstop. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Jose, that, that little uh, throw off his back foot, he does. Jose just makes that backhand. Normally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I I say Jose because they played it, you know, well, Jeter played longer, but we shouldn't get. We've done a lot today. We shouldn't get into shitting on Jeter. No, and I don't like shitting on Jeter. I like Jeter. <laughs> no, I like Jeter. I genuinely like. Actually, I have a Derek Jeter jersey. Believe it or not, I inherited it from my wife's uh, stepfather. I don't. I don't mind the Yankees. I don't really hate the Yankees. I didn't hate the Yankees till two thousand. But yeah, but I've gotten over that. I hated the Yankees then. I've gotten over that hate. You know what? You know what it was. I cheered for them when they played the Phillies in the World Series that year. Did you? Oh, in nine. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course, I, absolutely. I oh, I was absolutely. I was 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 a Craig Carton on the fan. I was Best fans for Yankees. Oh, God, God. <laughs> Craig Carton, another guy that's gone on the. I liked him, hated him, and now I'm kind of starting to like him again. Oh, I love him and Evan Roberts together, dude. Yeah, they're actually good. Great combo. Evan and, knows how to handle him. Yeah, you see, yeah. he's got that. He's got that documentary on HBO or something coming out. I heard. I, I think I don't know if it was a documentary. It was like a movie based on what happened to him or something. But I know yeah, there's I something know. coming out on him. I'm he interested got, to see. Him and Boomer got on my nerves for a few years, and I just stopped listening to them. You know what it is? After him and Boomer that, got stale. That's all. Yeah, and they were yeah. they were at their peak when that uh, 2010 Jets Patriots game was like. I feel like right around that time was their peak. Together. I feel like when yeah, so I feel like their peak ended. With that Jets run, like with yeah, the, the Rex Ryan years, because they were really good during the Giants' first run too. Yeah, they were really entertained. I mean, Carton walked across the, I think it was the Verrazano and like boxers or something, yeah. because he bet that the Giants wouldn't beat the Patriots or something like that. But yeah, I, I, they got, they just got stale. Boomer and Carton. I think Boomer kind of got over Craig and his shtick. You know, Boomer's a really straight dude. You know, whereas Evan Roberts knows exactly, I think, how to handle him. Yeah, they do a good job together. I'm, yeah. I'm, I've got. 
The fans' new lineup actually is pretty solid in general. I'm not a big um, I'm not a big uh, Malusis fan, but I do no. love Maggie Gray. Yeah, Maggie um, is good. I just, I just think they just give Maggie her own damn show. Just yeah. let her go solo. That other dude sucks. Yeah, yeah I'm not a fan of Malusis. I wasn't. A, I like Carlin doing other things. I don't like him as a sports on 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 the fan. But, uh, you know, but I like Boomer and Geo together, you know, for to be talking about fan DJs. But yeah, like, yeah, I was all about to go back to Carter. I was all about the Mets fans for Yankees in 2009. Oh, same. Oh, without a doubt. I'm out there. I'm at bars singing New York, New York. I'm doing it all. Like I was all in. Oh, I was still, I was still stewing from the Phillies winning in 08, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I hated those Phillies teams, dude. Hated them. Isn't that crazy? Like you think about that, what it took and that I agree with you. That probably did temper like the hatred for the Yankees right around then because we just hated the Phillies so much yeah. after because they give those Phillies teams credit they were good teams but they robbed us of our run we well in 07 the Mets robbed themselves that was such a weird thing it was so fluky like even a bad team that doesn't always happen to but everything went right for them everything went wrong for us and then from there, I just remember in 06, I thought we were like kings of the East for a while. And I thought the Phillies were going to be like a good team that gave us trouble, but wouldn't beat us. And then it just went the total opposite way. Yeah. I mean, give them credit. They won a World Series. Yeah, I mean, they were they obviously weren't a shitty team. They were a good team, I mean, obviously. Yeah, we watched strike three called down on a curveball from Yeah, anyway. Anyways. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I just was so happy when that Yankees team won, even though the Phillies had already won a World Series, but I was still, you know. Mm-hmm. It's funny. The Phillies spent so much on their rotation after that first World Series and just never got back. Yeah, they really, yeah. They really did, and they never got back to that, that, that and same And that World pinnacle. Series was based on their offense, I want to say. Like, I want to say their offense carried them. Yeah, and Ryan Howard was at his prime. Utley was in his prime. Rollins, I think, was the MVP that season. Um, either Rollins or Howard was the MVP that season. They won back-to-back. I just don't forget which years it was. Um, yeah, he got a hand to remember Rollins got he called the he called the Phillies the favorites for the East. And oh the, yeah, he got in the Mets head and everything, dude. Yeah, I mean, got they, booed they, everywhere and then backed it up. Give him backed credit. it up. Yeah, I mean, it just don't. I hate those teams. I'm not going to respect the hustle of how they played ball, though, or disrespect the hustle of how they played ball. Not, like, not at all. I'll just respect the Shane Victorinos of the world. You know what killed me about this? Yeah, Phillies I can't teams? stand him. I don't like Utley either. Utley's a fucking piece yeah, of shit, too. Yeah, I don't like Utley. a piece of shit. You know what killed me with those teams? It was the fucking mound visits. Every time anything was going minorly wrong, I they made so many fucking mound visits. But they got in was, your head, man. I know. Yeah. But they got in my head, too, because I'd be like, oh, my God, they're making another fucking mound visit. And then, yeah, it works. They would all, yeah. Who was the catcher? Who was the catcher for those Phillies teams? Because um, Ruiz. Ruiz. Every yeah. time it was like a pitcher would go two and zero on a hitter, and he'd be sprinting out to the mound, <laughs> and he'd be like, "Just stay behind the fucking plate and put down the signs." <laughs> uh, you know, the it, it, great team. I've always found that great teams do work within the rules to their advantage. I mean, you can oh, make yeah. you know people make that argument with the Devils and and their cup runs. I was like, they they just worked within the rules, man. Like yeah. people talk about how Martin Brodor used to play pucks like in the corner. I'm like, he's working within the rules. You had to change the rules to stop him. Oh, was it uh, the Devils? Um, Devils uh, beat writer for the Athletic Corey Corey Masiak was uh, live tweeting the Rutgers game, and he made some comment about like Rutgers. It was just like 
it was it was a funny tweet. It made me laugh. But he said like Rutgers shouldn't be you know driving down the clock on all these possessions and playing conservatively. Says guy in two line pass voice because I always forget about the two line pass. Yeah. <laughs> says guy in two line <laughs> pass voice. <laughs> he's great, man. He's he's yeah, one he's of my funny. favorite writers on the athletic. He's witty and he really knows the game, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wish he'd just write a short recap and not get so deep into the weeds, but like, I still enjoy him. Yeah. I think the devils could stand for some, like, like, like I know like the giants beat writer, Dan Duggan, he's really good. Like giving the short recap and then going for like, here's what really happened. And he breaks everything down. He's big on the 10 points thing. Like he'll give yeah. like the game points though. So it's just like, so you can have the recap and then here's what happened. Speaking of the giants, I think I'm happy about Kenny Galladay. You should be. I mean, I just, I, 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 I get, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm hoping he's Plaxico. Dan, the salary cap's all fucking fake anyway. I know, I know. It's, it's all bullshit. bullshit. I know, it's I know, just, I know, I know. Everyone's like, oh, they're in cap trouble. Oh, look, they just made a bunch of signing bonuses and now they're not in cap trouble anymore. So it doesn't fucking matter what the cap No, you're right. 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 You're None right. of this shit matters. They, there's, I need to hear that. Thank you. There's a salary cap, but there's no salary cap. That was a good signing. It was a good signing. Yeah. No, no they, 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 listen. At I mean, least, I, at least we know Jones has Stafford. Is that now you just need somebody to be as good as Matthew Stafford? Well, that's the thing, man. Jones has no excuses, you know, anymore. Now that 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 number eleven pick, they can. I'm hoping the uh, offensive lineman for Northwestern's there. Um, they Slater. might get. Oh, Slater, yeah. They yeah, I'm hoping Slater's there. They might get a good receiver at that spot too. Yeah, but do now you take, do you sign Galladay? Do you do you get another receiver? Because you know, yeah, but is Galladay? Shepherd, is I'll Galladay take Shepard into Z, man. man. He's not Devonta. If Devonta Smith is there, that's another story. Yeah, I'm just not expecting him to. I know some mocks have him there. I'm not expecting him to. I be there. I think he might be there. I'm. I actually think you're gonna. I mean, it's not. Adam Schefter said it this week that you're gonna get four quarterbacks in the top five. I actually don't think that's that big a prediction. I think someone's gonna reach up for Mac Jones. I think you're gonna get Mac Jones in the top ten. I think somebody is <sighs> gonna do that because nope. he's not a bad quarterback. It's not bad. I mean, he's got. But he's a, not a top ten quarterback. He's got a low floor, but I think some. I think because of the way the league's trending, somebody is going to. And you know, we've been pretty bad with predictions on this show, so I'll probably be wrong. But I just have a feeling that Mac Jones is going to go in the top ten. Like Carolina is not going to be able to execute a trade up, and then they're going to take him because they're going to say, "Where's well, Carolina right now? Where's Carolina?" Oh God! I'll look it up. Oh, I got you. Yeah, but so they're going to say, okay. We've got some weapons. We've got McCaffrey. We've got, you know, former great, former Jets great Robbie Anderson. Just kidding, but not really. Um, maybe they'll take him. I mean, Devonta Smith or Mac Jones had wide receivers at Alabama better, a wide receiving core at Alabama better than he's going to see any NFL right. team have. All so, right. So, so Jags take Lawrence. Jets take Wilson. Dolphins take um, other. Dolphins Alabama, are going to take Jamar. other Alabama receivers. Chase, thank you. Falcons LSU. take or LSU. Falcon, thank you. Falcons will take Fields or Lance. I think Lance. I think Falcons will take. I Lance. think Fields makes more sense. For, I mean, not Fields. Lance makes more sense for the Falcons. I think Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Yeah, and Matt Ryan's got a couple seasons left in him. I think. Bengals definitely take Sewell. Yeah. Um, Eagles take either the tight end from Florida, Pitts, or another receiver. Lions. What do the Lions do? I think they trade back with. Um, well, that's this. This is the problem. I think they trade back with Carolina. Then Carolina, Carolina pumps and then, up, and then they take Mac Jones or Fields. 
Fields oh, if Fields is, is there, yeah, Fields, Fields will still, still be there. In our, uh, Unless the Eagles surprise people and take Fields. They might. I mean, you yeah. never know. But uh, so You never Mac, know what the Eagles front Mac office. That front office 10. is a freaking dumpster yeah. fire. You never know. My Mac them. Jones in the top 10 involves a crazy scenario that I'm not smart enough to figure out where multiple teams trade up. That's all I'll say. Well, I mean, I look at it. If the Eagles take, you know, Fields at six, then, you know, there's a chance that you could see that. Absolutely. Because you got the yeah. Lions who aren't going to take a quarterback. You have the Panthers. It's not this year. You have the, you have the Panthers oh, and the Broncos. The, the, the Lions yeah. probably should take a quarterback, but I don't know if they're going to. I think know? if a, I think if if everything is wrong and somebody like Fields drops to the Lions, I think they'll be celebrating all the way to casting that. Yeah, I don't know if Fields drops. Yeah, because if the Eagles take Pitts or or one of the other receivers, yeah, who else could? Who? What other receiver do you think goes before uh, Devonta Smith? Just Jamar. Just Jamar. So who would the Eagles take it? Who would the Eagles take at six besides besides Fields? Say say Fields. Say the other three quarterbacks are gone. Uh, say Lance Wilson and um, and Lawrence are gone. And go Armand, I should pull up a. I would think Pitts. I would think Pitts. I don't. I think the Eagles would take Pitts at six. That's what my thought would be. My fucking nightmare, by the way, is that the Jets just take the nut, use the number two pick on Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> what world does that happen? Come on, That's a fucking nightmare, dude! You you've been <laughs> scarred by that team, my man. You have been scarred by that. There's no planet where a tight end gets drafted number two. I don't care how good he is. <laughs> you're getting your you're getting your Mormon Mahomes, and you just be happy about it. Now that uh, now that the Sean Watson trade is no longer too. happening. I'd be happy with Fields too. Oh yeah, I don't want to touch Deshaun Watson. But no, I'm not what? touching that. So I'm not touching that till there's way more info out about it. Oh like, no, I, I will say that. I think there's enough info. I just don't want to. Oh okay. Uh, I mean, I I I just I think yeah. I, I think that if that many women are coming forward, he most. Do you believe real quick? Do you think there could be a smear campaign made by McNair? No. Okay. All right. I just, I'm just you, curious of your thoughts. I think that any conspiracy falls apart at two or three people. Okay. Fair enough. I'll take. So, I, I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but anyway. I yeah. So anyway, we don't need to touch it because we're already like what, like an hour and fifteen deep right now. Yeah. But um yeah, I don't I don't see the Jets trading for him at this point. And I don't yeah. see him maybe even playing the season at this point. We'll see what no. happens. And, no, not at all. I don't think it's yeah. happening at all this year at this point. But the Jets, you know what, that maybe you know, you Jets you get your young quarterback, you get as you called him, Mormon Mahomes. Mormon Mahomes. <laughs> I, I stole that from uh what is the Twitter guy? Uh, the there's a Jets uh, Jets Twitter's a weird place. There's this guy Drew from Jersey that just talks about lifting a lot, but he actually knows his football really well. Smart dude on Twitter and just he coined that, so I can't take I can't take credit. He might have stolen it from somebody else too, I think, but either way, it's a good nickname even though he's not Mormon. I would also like Fields. I'm not going to lie, I think Fields is a really good prospect as well. I think Fields I think, is good, but I think there's a sizable gap between Wilson and him. I wonder about that. I I think about that a lot like so many of these flaws that we look at in college quarterbacks are correctable with the right coaching. Right. And so then my question is, okay, so Fields holds the ball too long on blitzes. Well, is it because he's allowed to do that at Ohio state? Is that not something that he can correct in the NFL? Like there's these little things. And we said, you know, one of the things I was reading about is we get obsessed with people going through their progressions as a way of judging a quarterback. But most of the time in college, your first reads open. So right. you're not going to go through your progressions. And so it's just kind of like, especially with fields, like fields, his first option is Jamison Alave and that dude's going to be open. 
Yeah. And yeah. so is a college quarterback going through that progression? I don't know what the answer is because if I did, I'd probably be, have a better fucking job and work in the NFL or something like that, but <laughs> we don't know. So I'm not, if the Jets draft fields, I'm happy with it. If they draft Wilson, I'm happy with it. I actually trust Joe Douglas, even though he's getting some heat right now about free agency. So we'll see. But I I think this is a really deep quarterback class. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this. I would be in fury. You talked about uh, Devonta Smith maybe dropping to the Giants. I would be infuriated if Dallas took him at 10. <laughs> After you said that, I would be legitimately infuriated if Dallas took him at ten. I don't see the world that they do though, because they already took what's his name last. Ahem, ahem. Two yeah, runs to Dallas true. Cowboys. Yeah, Jerry Jones. He would just yeah. Be, remember, would... remember his 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 rationale for picking um um what's his face last year from Alabama? Yeah. Oh, um, not Amari Cooper, right. the other guy. Not have. from Alabama, from Oklahoma. From Oklahoma. Uh, Give sound, me his name, sound please. Like idiots late night, right now. I know, I know. I'm drawing an absolute blank, but he just I said I couldn't believe he was bench. there. He couldn't believe I couldn't believe he was there, and he had to take. I had to take him. Oh man, and it's it's such a Jerry Jones thing to do to see the Heisman Trophy winner there for him at ten. Ceedee Lamb, and yeah, um, Ceedee Lamb. and to see the Heisman Trophy winner there at ten. You know Jerry Jones is taking him. You know Jerry Jones yeah. is taking him. You know the Giants aren't trading with the Cowboys. That's not happening. Not in a million years. No. But, you know, you're right. The, the, the Cowboys do need a lot of help on defense, so it would be a really stupid draft choice on their part. Yeah, they need yeah. a lot of help. They need defense. a lot of help. And there's going to be a lot of – some of the top defensive talent is going to be there at number 10. We talked about all these players, like, in the top 10. We didn't mention one defensive player. No. Yeah, not one. Because there's some good ones that are going to fall into the teens and – and that's another thing. The Giants need help on defense too, so it's just not not that that's out of freaking the question either. There's the cornerback from uh, Virginia Tech, Farley, and then um, what's the other cornerback from Alabama? Those guys are all. I think those guys are projected in the top ten. Uh, certain, certain. Patrick Sertain, certain, Patrick Sertain, Sertain Jr. Yeah. yeah. I remember his dad when he played back in like when we were kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, is that, I want to say his dad played for oh, the Saints when we were kids. I just pulled up a mock that has Mac Jones going to the Patriots at 15. That would also be funny. That I I absolutely could see. I could see at Bill Belichick taking a flyer on him. At, Everyone no doubt is, about it. Every, so let me give you the vibe up here. Every Patriots fan is so pumped with how much money Dolphins, they're spending in free agency. And I love just sending them all the stats about how much the Jets have spent in free agency the last decade. Like, it's just... Belichick's a little a little hurt that um, Brady won, I think. And he's oh just, yeah, yeah. He's, he's going. He's going out, and going for it. Is it going to fix his drafting though? That's the key. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So on that note, I think it's uh, we've had we've had a good little run over an hour today. Lots stuff to yeah. talk about, you know, with March Madness and <laughs> episodes still and, fuck Arsenal. And and the episode is still fuck Arsenal because that is the absolute. I didn't even get in. We only got so little into Tottenham's disgraceful performance after the, the Rabona. But yeah, fuck Arsenal. That's the episode today. That's the lesson you all need to take leaving Vermeer. But uh, we are Pop Sports Shorts. I am Dan Haas. That is Matt Sell. We are on the Fourth Wall Pop Network. Uh, come visit. Come visit us uh, and check out all our shows, including the Pop Culture Collective, The Crossroads, Big Heck and Weight Adventures, Getting Grilled, 
and I know I'm forgetting something, and I'm going to get yelled at for it, but that's okay, because I love you all. Um, anyways, Matt, have a good night, man. Uh, anything you want to add before we go? Yeah, Snyder Cut ruled. I love it. Oh, I got to watch it still. Well, oh, uh, It's so good. Watch it. Now that you guys told me who Snyder actually is, I was I, I thought Heck was actually going to jump through the phone and strangle me for not knowing that. They don't know I how much so I'm, not movie uh, I'm not yeah. a movie guy. I'm not a huge movie <laughs> guy, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but we're, my, uh, the missus wants to watch it, so we'll probably watch it at some point. It was good. Watch it. All right, cool. Thank you. All right. Later. Catch you later, man.